Welcome to the Tradies in Business podcast with your hosts, Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Divert your phone and grab a brew as Waz and Nick unpack tips, tales, secrets and stuff-ups from guests both inside and outside your trade, helping educate and inspire you to break the cycle of gut-busting and money stress and create a true trade business. Howdy, listeners. Howdy, Coxie. G'day, Warwick. Nice headpiece. Thank you. I like my tree. Don't I look festive? <laughs> so, listeners, uh, as we record this, it is on the, the RDP, the rundown period into Christmas. And uh, Nick is wearing not only a green Christmas tree headband thingamajig, uh, but she has a green matching shirt. And Santa hat earrings, I think I can see here on the video. <laughs> you did make fun of my very, um, I don't know, they were very nothing kind of cat ears, Santa ears. You made uh, fun I, of them, so now I've gone all out. I was struggling not to be inappropriate. But today, um, speaking of taboos, Coxie, and inappropriateness, yes. today we're talking about something else that probably ranks up there with you wearing little red cat ears and me trying not to say anything inappropriate. Uh, we're talking about money today and wealth, and it's a subject that I think makes people feel almost as equally uncomfortable, if not more so, than talking about that other stuff that I usually make jokes about on our FIF uh, episodes. So what we thought we'd do is we'd bring in a guest to keep it real and clean and valuable, um, but instead we found Jackson Milan uh, <laughs> from That's Aureus Financial. Joke. Uh, all the way from North Queensland. Jackson, welcome to the podcast, mate. Thanks for having me. And I can't make any promises about keeping this clean, but we'll do our best. <laughs> I think our most popular episodes are not, mate. So not. if you want to get the downloads up there, I'll just put the little E explicit on this episode and we'll be sweet. Beautiful. Love it. Mate, welcome to the show. We are going to talk about wealth. Um, as is customary here, we don't do bios because I think they're boring as, as batshit. Um, and I'd prefer you, um, I don't think Coxie agrees with me, but I'd prefer you to do it <laughs> and just tell, tell our listeners about Jackson, the man who, who is Jackson? I'll tell you a little bit of background. So uh, I'm Jackson Milan, also known as the Wealth Mentor. Uh, I've been involved in the wealth space for coming on 15 years now. I uh, come from pretty humble beginnings. My parents were tradies. Uh, Mum was a hairdresser, tried really hard to create a successful salon and really struggled every step of the way. And my old man tried lots of things. He had handyman businesses, waterproofing businesses. I think he bought into every single trade franchise that you could possibly think of. <laughs> uh, but the grass was always greener on the other side and he was always chasing the dream. And they were incredibly hard workers. Um, and as a kid, I saw them working 16 hour days and seven days a week. They're always doing something. And every, every other day they were saying to me, Jackson, if you want to be successful in this world, you got to work hard for it. Mm -hmm. But as a kid observing this, I realized something was wrong because very early on, I realized that they were working incredibly hard, but they never had money to show for it. And I realized that they were working for money as opposed to money working for them. And as a result, I started getting into the, the wealth industry, started trying to become a financial advisor. And I realized the industry was broken. The first role that I was in was in a place called the Financial Advice Center um, at the uh, ripe old age of 19. I probably looked about 12 at the time. Um, if you get rid of my beard and eyes up, you're like, oh, that's a 12 year old for sure. Um, so this beard is strategic. Yeah. But I walk onto this floor and I see this bullpen full of individuals on the phone and it was absolutely chaos. 
And whenever they'd make a sale, they'd get up and they'd ring bells and they'd high five and they'd, they'd basically carry on. And it looked like a scene out of The Wolf of Wall Street. Everything but the midget throwing was going on in this place. <laughs> and it was toxic. And I thought, I thought I'd made a big mistake. And what I realized is that these individuals were selling commission-based products to people like my parents who, quite frankly, didn't need them. And I was very ready to throw in the towel. But I said, okay, well, if I was going to help people like my parents, what do they need? And they need education. Mm -hmm. Because what I've seen in my experience is the vast majority of people, particularly tradies, they don't see themselves as numbers or financial people. They're just good at their, their trade, at their craft. They're good at doing their job. So they try and abdicate responsibility when it comes to their finances. And you can't. No one's ever going to take control and care over your money better than you will. Mm -hmm. So I've been spending the better part of the last decade helping business owners understand the language of money, reposition their business as a wealth creation vehicle, and systematically turn their business profits into personal wealth. And uh, we've been able to help uh, over a thousand clients build over $1.5 billion in combined wealth. And uh, we've been able to create financial freedom using our business too. So uh, we practice what we preach. So uh, I've just come off the back of spending nine months traveling around Australia. And we've just bought our, our dream home, a 70 acre farm in far North Queensland. And uh, we, we live in the dream. Wow. Nice, mate. And okay. all of that at the age of, so that would make you 22, Jackson. Uh, yeah, 22. Exactly. You started right when now. you were 12. <laughs> I'm, I'm 32 now, so uh, so uh, getting on there. Nice, mate. I think oh, um, lots of our tradies. I think people in general actually really fear money, and yet it can be. Yeah. It's it's so powerful, but we're brought up feeling really quite negative about it because of the perception that's shown in movies, in the perception we hear about as children, what we see it do to our parents. Um, many of our parents live through recession and very hard times, so we have that. I guess, leftover fear behind it, but it's not scary at all. It's actually really powerful. It obviously can create solutions and that's what this is all about, isn't it? It's not necessarily about being uh, rich per se. It's about creating those solutions so that we have more choice in life. It's not the devil that many of us think it to be. Yeah, I agree with you 100%. Money takes on the life that you breathe into it. And that's fueled by the taboos and the self-limiting beliefs that we have around it, right? Like I know that my parents always said to me, my old man, he was an old wog from uh, who come here in the in the 70s. And he always said to me, Jackson, don't ever tell anybody about how much money you've got, how much money you make. Um, don't tell people your goals because I'll put a curse on you. Yes. And uh, I'm like, what, what are you talking about? <laughs> and like many of us uh, keep these, these cards close to our chest. Like you, you're lucky if you even speak openly and honestly to your significant other about money. Yeah. And what this means is that money then has power over you because you're stuck between a rock and a hard place. You either don't want to be the tall poppy where you brag about your success, like look at what I've got, mm. or you don't want to be the lame duck to feel like you're falling behind. Yeah. Mm. And for that reason, money always has this negative power and energy over us, which carries a lot of weight and has a significant impact in how you use your business and the money you make to create freedom and flexibility. Mm. It's amazing. I, uh, I trained as a financial planner, perhaps a little earlier than you, Jackson. <laughs> but, uh, and, and, you know, was one of the early um, businesses to coin the wealth coach phrase because I wanted to get away from this idea of money and finance, you know, financial planner. It's like, how do you plan your finances? So, you know, we were trying to do something around the headspace. Um, it didn't, didn't fully work out for me with a couple of business partners. Um, and that was my entry into business coaching was, I was trying to get to the source of the cash flow to help people increase cash flow 
to then generate wealth. And I, I believe that's essentially in our little pre-chat we had today, that's where you're really hitting that sweet spot with people is is changing the, the I guess, the perception about what's the pathway to having that freedom of choice that Coxie was just mentioning. 100%. We created a system out of necessity, to be honest, because coming, coming into the industry kind of bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, I thought that I could just learn all of the strategies, tell people what to do, and then they were going to follow the plan that I'd created for them. And I remember <laughs> spending it was that simple. Exactly. And I, I remember spending days upon days building these amazing holistic plans for my clients that had projections out 20, 30, 40 years into the future. And I go, only if you just follow this like clockwork, you're going to be fine. Look at this and then sexy later, graph that shows you how much you'll be worth. Exactly. <laughs> and then a month or two later, I see them fall off the rails and doing nothing that I'd trade them to do. I'm like, I want to grab them by the shoulders and shake them furiously. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. And then I started discovering the power of mindset. Mm. And I realized that we needed to create a system. And our system is called the Wealth Mastery Machine. And to explain this, like when we talk about a machine, which many traders can, can, can really relate to this, is what is a machine? A machine is something that produces a regular, consistent, and repeatable outcome. But when you think about your money, how many people do you know that can refer to their money as a machine? Not many, right? Mm -hmm. And most people, their money is subjective, knee-jerk, after the fact, if they've ever got a spare moment to even think about it, if they're not burying their head in the sand. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is create a system that allows us to make sure that the default outcome is action. Mm. And there's basically three things we need. We need to define what it is that we really want, get crystal clear on the milestones, the destination, and the significance behind that. Because money is not the destination, it's just the vehicle. Let's get clear on the house you want to live in, when do you want to pay it off, what do you want your lifestyle to look like, what part of the plane do you want to fly on, now, what <laughs> school do you want to send the kids to, what, what toys do you want to have? Let's quantify all these things, challenge you on why you want them, mm -hmm. and then reverse engineer it backwards into an action plan. Then we need to create. We need to understand how much cash flow do we need for you to be able to have your cake and eat it too. Because one of the things that really irks me about a lot of wealth educators, guys, and I'm sure you've seen this, is this idea of shrinking yourself wealthy. If I want to be wealthy in retirement, I need to eat cornflakes or sometimes cat food for dinner now. Mm -hmm. Bullshit. Yeah, I work too bloody hard to sacrifice my lifestyle. Yeah, 100%. I want to be able to live an abundant life, to be able to do the things I want to do, go the places I want to go, have the experiences that I want to have with the people that I care about, and also set myself up for the future. Mm. The only time you have to shrink yourself wealthy is if you don't have enough financial means to do everything you want. And that's normally because you don't know how much financial means you need to have everything you want. Mm. So let's define that magic number and let's help you systematically turn that cash flow into personal wealth. Mm. And then lastly, manage. How do we create a framework that you can manage all of your money, both business and personal, in less than 30 minutes a month? Because who doesn't have 30 minutes a month to just have a quick look over their finances, tweak a couple of dials, and kind of optimize their trajectory? Mm. You make it sound so easy, Jackson, and I know that it can be with the right framework and system in place, of course, and yet our fear holds us back from actually even taking that first step, picking up the phone, sending off an email inquiry, asking yeah. for some help because we have that 
um, fear, like you mentioned earlier, and I will, I don't want to tell anyone what I earn or I don't want to tell anyone what hole I'm in or I don't want to show anyone how poorly I've done. I've got no super. I haven't paid off my house. My business is running in a loss. I don't want to share all of those things. Um, I think particularly with tradies, that's a common mm. conversation that we hear quite yeah. frequently. And yet, if you don't take the time to have somebody else look in from a different perspective, you can't see what's actually there. Plus do that work, like you're saying about definition of what are the goals? What is it that you actually want at the end of the day? How do you take those um, somewhat resistant people, I, I won't put a name on them, we'll just call them people, and, yeah. and show them what's possible with, I guess, fostering that vulnerability so that you can have those bigger conversations? I think this is another flaw of the financial services industry, to be fair because I feel that many people feel like they can't get advice unless they're already wealthy. Mm. And the, the number one things that start every sentence on every inquiry that comes through to us is, hey, I'm not sure if I'm at a level that you can help me because I don't have anything for you to invest for me, yep. but can you help? I don't have enough and money to start don't investing. have enough money. Yeah. And that's fine. That's great. The vast majority of the clients that come to us are in what we call financial battle stage, where their business is running at a loss, they're burning cash at a rate of knots, they're hemorrhaging money, they're racking up bad debts, they're drowning financially. And our best case studies are those people. Or they're at financial comfort where they're just treading water. They're getting by, they make ends meet, they don't go without anything, but there's nothing left over to plan with. Mm. Like one of my, my best client case studies is a fellow by the name of Ivo. He's become a very dear friend of mine, runs a joinery business in, in, uh, in Melbourne. Mm -hmm. He's been in the trade for decades and he had a very good business, but it's gone through peaks and troughs. And when he came to us, he was burning almost $30,000 a month in cash flow in his business. He'd racked up and maxed out his overdrafts, credit cards. He'd even got to a point where he needed to sell a block of land that him and his wife were going to build their dream home on. It was heartbreaking for them. And no one would help him. Mm. And he just happened to discover me through a referral from a friend of mine. And he said, Jackson, I'm at wit's end. I'm ready to fold the business. Can you help me? And I said, oh, I'm going to take a chance. If you follow my advice, I'll get you out of this. And in the space of nine months, we implemented a series of strategies, implemented profit first, helped him understand where he was, the cash flow bottlenecks were in his business, helped him set a forward-facing plan. And in nine months, he went from burning $30,000 a month in cash flow to scaling to seven figures at 27% profit margins. And we had him on track for creating financial freedom in 10 years. Nice. So we can take people who feel like they're at wit's end and ready to throw in the towel and turn the corner. You just need to hemorrhage the bleeding. And I think it's, as it was famously said, I think it was a Confucius quote. The best time to plant a tree was 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. And the second best time is today. It's never too late. Mm. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of, uh, I'll start when I've got this organized or I'll start doing something um, I just want to get rid of this credit card first. And Coxie and I hear it uh, quite frequently, sadly, from business owners, uh, because I feel like there's a lot of crossover between, you know, the the wealth coaching, wealth creation, and what I would term good business coaching and mentoring. Yes. Um, they should both be considering each other's realm. Um, 100%. But we have people come to us and say, yeah, no, it sounds great. I just want to get some of these systems in place first before I work with you guys. It's like, hang on, but that's what we teach. Why would you wait um, to do that? And so I actually think as well, like Nick talked about the fear, um, there's a lot of persistent beliefs that people have that although they see that it's a good idea, they, they, they agree with 
the principles of what we all talk about, they don't actually believe it's possible. Mm. And that becomes such a big block to working with someone externally like yourself, Jackson. Do you see that? And how do you overcome that as well? I know it's related a bit to the fear question, but how do you, yeah. how do you deal with those persistent beliefs with people? It's tough. And particularly with tradies, right? Um, we work majority, majority of our clients are tradies and they always come to us too late. <laughs> and it's just, oh, I wish like when they look back in hindsight, it's like, I wish I did this 10 years ago. Yeah. Oh, if I only did this five years ago or a year ago, <laughs> and they always in, in hindsight wish they did it sooner. But I find that there is a lot of ego at play here, mm. right? Tradies, uh, take on the persona of being the providers. Um, and they put up a lot of barriers and walls to be strong for their for their family, for their team, uh, for even for their colleagues and, and other friends that they've got in the industry. And for that reason, they struggle to be vulnerable and ask for help. And they feel like they need to get themselves back from drowning, whether that be in their business or financially or in their wealth or whatever it might be, back to a point of comfort. So then they can say, okay, I've got myself to here. I, can't, I don't need to be embarrassed anymore. Yep. Um, and I can now get help to charge forward. Yep. But the reality is that you're doing this on your own. Mm. And if you just get help, there's no judgment here. I've got, I guarantee that I'm sure all of us have worked with clients in dire situations that are far worse than anybody who's listening to this podcast. And we can get you to the back to that comfort and then back into growth much faster than you can do under your own steam and power. Because I've even found this myself. Like I spend hundreds of thousands of dollars a year on mentoring because I can't see the light through my own trees. I don't want to be the plumber with the leaky taps. And if I'm stressed and anxious or something's going on and emotions are high, I'm not in a position to make great decisions without mentorship. Mm. You need mm. to have that person in your corner where if you've had a bad round and, and your opponent's absolutely flogging you, has you on the ropes, that when you when that bell rings and you go back to your corner, you need that Freddie Roach, that person in your corner that can say, hey, um, keep your guard up and uh, make sure that you absorb those punches. Hey, push forward, don't get on the back foot. And it's that little bit of tweaking and, and advice that you get when you go back in for that next round that's going to help you punch through and uh, and hopefully leave with the leave with the title. I couldn't have nice said analogy, it myself. I'm, I'm, <laughs> that was I'm great. impressed. Not many people bring uh, as good analogies to the show as you. I'm sure I'm a bit. Mine, so. You've got to come from a fellow coach, right? Yeah, that's yeah. It. You've got to Jackson, paint the picture, uh, mate. <laughs> mate, speaking of the boxing analogy, and I guess that ability to punch through and, and probably endure the pain as well and, and set that to one side. It, it does lead into another aspect of human behavior. And I guess really, listeners, what we're talking about today is a whole bunch of human psychology because um, from my perspective, getting results in any area of our lives, obviously we're talking wealth here and, and you know as it relates to having a trade business, so much of that comes from our headspace um, and, and our behavior and what drives our behaviors. Um, one of the things that I suspect we've all seen over and over is this idea of people moving away from pain or towards pleasure. And some seem to be, well, some say they're more motivated by one over the other. I actually think most people are only motivated to move away from pain <laughs> because they seem to cop a lot of pain before they start to move. What's your perspective on that? And, and again, how have you um, worked with people on that, on that uh, challenge, Jackson? 
Yeah, I agree with that wholeheartedly. And I know I'm the same, right? Like we, we tend to move away from pain because the relief that we get as a result of that is immediate. Mm. Like if you're in pain and then you can alleviate that pain, there's that immediate sigh of relief. Like, oh, wow, okay, I don't feel that anymore. And what we've got to realize, guys, is that one of my first mindset coaches taught me the situations we learn to survive, our survival ultimately depends upon. What we're going to realize is that and we're going to get a little bit uh, a, a little bit scientific here, but as human beings, our body is designed to remain in homeostasis, meaning everything is in balance. And the same thing goes for how our brain is wired. So subconsciously, if you learn to survive a certain situation, your brain creates a synapsis to say, okay, I've been in that situation before and I know the pathway out of it, that sometimes you can end yourself back up in that situation again, just so you can get out of it again. Mm-hmm. The analogy I like to use here is, um, do either of you guys ride a motorbike or push bikes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> yes, cool. I'm guilty. Yeah, awesome. Great. <laughs> so when you're turning a corner, where do you look when you're turning? Well, if you, if you want to go where you want to go, you look through the corner. You look where you exactly. want to go, right? You look where you want to go. And if you start focusing on the tree that's off the side of the curve, <laughs> where are you going to go? <laughs> that's how I broke my leg. Exactly. And I've done that myself, mate. Oh, yeah, I've got a soft spot for vintage Harleys and uh, they don't always like to stay on the road. Um, Damn bikes. Exactly. So this is the thing, right? This is the reason why we end up in these same situations. Like you just push through that invisible ceiling and then you end up having a crappy quarter the next quarter just so you can get yourself back out of it again. Mm -hmm. So what we need to do is we need to start identifying how do we change the, the area of focus? Stop saying, okay, this is the pain point and this is how I move away from it. It's about reframing it towards the North Star, the Mm. the goal, the dream, the aspiration that has a huge amount of significance to you. Mm. And from our perspective, when we work with our clients who are all business owners, we say your business is just a vehicle. Stop Mm. chasing the 100K month or the 200K month or um, adding the new van or expanding to the new territory. Start working towards how, okay, how much profit do I need to earn to be able to achieve my goals, dreams, and aspirations outside of my business? Mm-hmm. So then that means that, okay, well, is that new division or the new van or the new hire or the next income target actually going to get me to that goal or not? And if you believe it that it will, then great. And if not, don't do it. Mm. It's such a good um, decision matrix to, to create is to have it based around what really matters. You know, it's it's the, like you, Coxie and I have invested probably hundreds of thousands of, over the decade uh, into our own self-education and professional development. And so much of it is around staying focused on what matters. And, and I still do the, I don't, I don't literally write it out every day, but the eulogy exercise of, of projecting myself forward and looking back on my life at, you know, my last days and, and doing the little, the little audit. It's like, you know, how do I feel about the life that I've lived? Do I, do I leave here with a smile on my dial and feeling fulfilled or do I leave with regret? Uh, and so I try and use that to guide my decisions and I'm also human like everybody else. My bum points downwards most days. Uh, and I still get stuck in the the day to day and the self sabotage cycles. Do Do you have any tips, mainly just for me, so I can get some free advice, Jackson? But sure. do you have any tips on how to how to stop doing that or how to lessen yeah. that for our listeners? 
I struggled with this a lot, mate, um, and I still do. It's, it's a constant exercise that you've always got to be working on. And I inherited a lot of my spending behaviours from my parents. And because I've got ADHD, I've got hyperfixation and the, the, the spending behaviours that I inherited from my parents, I was really spendthrift in, in my younger days. I spent every dollar that I earned. And I was always good to saving, saving towards something, but as long as I had that something in, in mind, and it was never long-term things. And my parents always tried to teach me, like, hey, save for a rainy day, put away 20% of everything you earn, and it never clicked with me. Mm-hmm. So then I started researching deferring gratification, the idea of sacrificing something today for a grade tomorrow. And I discovered the marshmallow experiment. Have you guys heard of it before? I have not. Mm, okay, I'll share sure. it with you. I okay. like marshmallows. So, The marshmallows are great. So Stanford University did a study in the 70s to work out whether people are born with the ability to defer gratification or whether it's learned. Yeah, yeah. So they got four and five-year-old kids and they put them in a room and they gave them a marshmallow. And they said, hey, you can eat this marshmallow if you want, but if I leave the room and I come back and you haven't eaten it, I'll give you a second marshmallow. Mm-hmm. And they left for 15 minutes. They didn't tell the kids for how long. <laughs> it's torture. So it's torture. Now, what they were able to work out is two out of three kids would eat the marshmallow. Some at one minute, some at five minutes, some at 14 minutes and 50 seconds. But two out of three would eat the marshmallow. And one out of three could defer gratification and endure the pain, keep themselves occupied to be able to, to get the second marshmallow. Now, here's the challenge. This is the shrinking yourself wealthy principle. The problem here is who writes the rules of one marshmallow now or none to get two later? As entrepreneurs, we can write the rules ourselves. Mm. So what what if I could have half a marshmallow now and then I could still get two at the end? Mm -hmm. Or what if I'm only motivated by getting four at the end if I'm not going to get one now? Mm. So what I did is I designed an exercise called the 20-year roadmap. And what it was designed to do is to get clear on your lifestyle and your financial goals over the short, medium, and long term. Take it to extremes, because even the best planners often only set goals 10 years into the future. Mm. The first time I did this exercise, I stared at this page for hours, but I created a system and every 90 days I come back and I redo this exercise. Then once I've got all my goal, dreams, and aspirations, lifestyle and financial, I reverse engineer them backwards and I set an income target. I turn that income target into a profit target a profit target into a revenue target and a revenue target into my KPIs. So I can connect my activity and my business to the outcomes that are truly important to me. How much more motivated can you be to do the work than to do that? Mm. I love it. And it does bring up for me that one point that we find most tradies in particular, and I'm talking about the tradies, not so much the tradie wives here. Generally, the tradie wives are really good at this bit. The tradies find it really challenging. Yeah. They can't get to that point of identifying what they want. And so then it's very, it's really hard for them to mm. verbalize, A, to connect and understand what it is and then verbalize yeah. what those aspirations are. Um, we talk a lot about working back from the feeling. So what does it feel like? What do you want to feel like at the end of the week? What do you want to feel like at the end of the year? And you can very quickly work back from there. But do you find it similar um, when you're talking about financial targets or or financial freedom for them in the future, what that might look like for them? What do they want to own? What are their aspirations? Particularly with tradies. What I've come to find is that tradies are very emotional people. And what we've got to realize, once again, going scientific here is that our brain comprises of really three parts. Our lizard brain, our kind of fight and flight, 
our limbic system, which has all of our feelings and emotions, and then our neocortex, our, our strategic thinking brain that makes us human. And the limbic system where all of our emotions and also our decisions come from doesn't communicate with our neocortex. It's like when you've got that gut feeling and you, go, you can't quite put words around it, that's the, the fact is that you haven't trained your limbic system to communicate what your feelings are into words. So it requires repetition. So what we need to do is we need to create space because I'm sure when you ask those questions, your, your trading clients are always trying to fill that, that kind of awkward silence because they just haven't never given themselves enough space to think. Mm. So we take them through a mindset exercise and we basically ask them a series of six questions. Question number one is what would you like? Question number two is what will having that do for you? Question number three, when, where, and with whom do you want it? Question number four is how will you know once you have it? Question number five is once you have it, what might you lose that you value? And then question number six is with all of that being considered, now, what would you like? Mm, good questions. And I said, I, I struggled with this for a very long time, but by creating a system to revisit it, optimize it, improve it, the more often you give yourself the space to ask yourself questions like that, to do the exercise like that 20 year roadmap mm. will evolve. It will get more clarity. You'll get clear and exactly what it is that you want. And then you'll start conditioning those pathways to set yourself up to get there start looking through the corner mm. love it jackson and i feel like one of the one of the standouts for me um just listening to the way you package all this up and and uh you know your your system sounds brilliant i love it um and i know i'm standing here going into imposter syndrome wishing i'd come up with all of this genius stuff uh, <laughs> uh and so i'm really really grateful that you're sharing this with our listeners um I think one of the keys for me is that that's not a one-time exercise. You've said it a few times now, and and listeners, I want you to really um, let this one sink in or cement this in your in your mind. Is it has to be revisited over and over again. It's not like what do you want, and you do the six questions in you know 2012, and it's like beauty. I know what I want, and then for 40 years, that's it. It's, it's quarterly, it's you know, monthly, annually, like there's got to be a regular practice of doing this. It's like, you know, often Coxie and I will talk about things like yoga or motorbike riding or netball, whatever the heck it is, it's a practice. You know, there's not this, this end point where, okay, I've achieved mastery, tick that box, uh, go get my coffin because I'm done. It's this <laughs> ongoing uh, iteration of what we do. Have I have I heard you correctly, Jackson? You hit the nail on the head. An ongoing thing. We call it money, muscle, memory. Mm. Nice. And it's like when you go to the gym. If you want to become an Olympic weightlifter, you're not just going to go up to the squat rack and chuck 300 kilos under the bar and just <laughs> hope for, for that you're going to be able to squat that that rack. You're gonna you're gonna to go to the bar first, and then you're going to start working on your form and making sure that you can support that. And then you start adding weight over time. And the issue that I see is particularly this becomes a perfect storm because people feel like they're falling behind and they're self-conscious and they're beating themselves up, that they're trying to catch up for lost time and they overextend themselves. They put too much weight on the bar. 
they end up dropping the weight, hurting themselves, and then becoming disheartened and then having that fear of going back and approaching the bar again. Mm. And what we help them do is really act like a PT for their money. Mm. Um, and we make sure that we take the right steps incrementally over time to make sure that they minimize risks they maximize that they're going to continually take action and help them implement those systems so they can lift the, the money weights safely. Love it. You're just dropping all the big analogies today, Jason. I'm loving it, mate. <laughs> I'm going to have to lift my game. <laughs> you really are. Mate, um, it's, I, I want to ask a question that I haven't asked on the podcast for a, a long time, I realize. Uh, so you've inspired me to ask this again. Uh, if you had a thousand tradies, or let's call them trade business owners, uh, in a room, because that, that is our listenership, um, what's one piece of advice you would love to leave them with today? Yep. Understand where are the lowest hanging fruit for you financially. Because we've dropped lots of different gold nuggets for you, and hopefully you've written down a whole page of notes, but you can't do all of it. Mm. You just can't. You need to pick the low-hanging fruit, the two or three things that are really going to push the needle forwards for you based on where you are on the journey. Mm. And we've developed a resource that helps identify those things. So basically what I've been able to work out from working with thousands of clients is there's basically 40 things that get in the way of you as a business owner creating financial freedom. And through doing this the world around with all different verticals, all different businesses, the average score on this scorecard is 18 out of 40, which means that most business owners are below average financially, which is probably no surprise to you guys. Mm. <laughs> now, I don't care if your score is five or 35. What will happen is that there's going to be some things that you're going to answer no to that you're going to go like, wow, that's pretty straightforward. I haven't even thought about that. I reckon I could turn that from a no to a yes in the next 30, 60, 90 days. Yes. Pick three or five of those. Focus on those and focus on imperfect action. Perfection is the enemy of done. Really? Um, Hallelujah, brother. <laughs> <laughs> Chasing perfection is such a disastrous um, habit yes. to be in. So brilliant, mate. Yep. So we'll share that resource so you guys can include that in the show notes. Thanks, Jason. Awesome. That's fantastic. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a, a bit of a a bombshell here, listeners, and let you know that uh, Jackson is actually doing a couple of sessions for our Tradepreneur community in 2022. Um, so consider them to be mini masterclasses, I guess. He's been um, generous enough to come and actually uh, talk to our Tradepreneur community. So if you're not yet across our Tradepreneur program, um, or you've thought about it and you haven't taken action yet, I think today should inspire you to actually do something about that. Um, have a chat to Nick and myself. We'll drop a link to, uh, to grab a, a free session with us in the show notes. Um, and, you know, you could get access to, uh, to Jackson's sessions um, via that as well. But otherwise, uh, Jackson, where's the best place for people to go and find out more about you and your program and all the amazing work that you're doing, mate? Yep. So first one, add me on Facebook as a friend to search for Jackson Milan. Um, I record uh, videos every single day that will give you a new wealth strategy that will help you add to your kit bag. Um, if you want to get free copies of my best-selling books, tools, calculators, resources, our free Facebook group is called Six and Seven Figure CEOs, uh, Profit, Cash Flow and Wealth Strategies for SMEs. Um, we'll include a link for that. And of course, if you want to have a chat, uh, feel free to uh, to reach out to us at aureusfinancial.com.au. Uh, so it's A-U-R-E-U-S financial.com that are you and love to have a chat and see how we can support i've Love just got to support that by saying jackson's videos at home are incredible 
I'm, I'm so <laughs> envious of your beautiful farm. And I'm yet to see the cassowary, actually. I think I saw a quick glimpse of him in one of the videos, but we do talk a fair bit about cassowaries. <laughs> yeah, he uh, he tried to tried to attack me a couple of weeks back, so uh, I've got to be very cautious. <laughs> no more videos. That's it. Have you found any snakes yet? Surely we have. There's, lo there's there's a lot of pythons. Uh, yeah, okay. There are not so many uh, dangerous uh, bitey snakes uh, <laughs> because it's a little bit too wet for them. Um, but we've got plenty of other things that are trying to kill us: crocodiles, cassowaries. Uh, <laughs> it keeps us on our toes. Yeah. <laughs> it makes for some interesting videos. And I know, I need to ask the chickens if they settled in well. They've settled in very well. We've uh, just raised a, a whole heap of guinea fowl and some little chicks that we've just released. And uh, we've just uh, bought two new goats. So uh, we're expanding wow. the uh, aureus acres and uh, it's coming together quite well. <laughs> really Somewhere worth going arc, to mate. find Jackson on Facebook. I really enjoy your daily videos. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. Awesome, mate. Well, look, uh, thank you very much for your time today. Um, you've been incredibly generous with the information you've shared, mate. Mm -hmm. Love everything that you've talked about. Listeners, you need to get across um, what Jackson is sharing with his own community. Um, and as we've said, you know, check out his resources. Talk to Nick and I. But please just do something about where you're at right now. Don't listen to this and go, that all sounds great. But... Um, get rid of the butt, do something about it. It doesn't even have to cost you any money. It's just got to take some action. So please go ahead and do that. Jackson, have a fabulous uh, Christmas and holiday season, mate. We look forward to uh, working with you some more in 2022. My absolute pleasure. Merry Christmas, guys, and we'll chat to you soon. You've been listening to the Tradies and Business Podcast with Warwick Bidwell and Nicole Cox. Find out more about today's guest, tools for your trade business and other cool stuff at tradiesandbusiness.com.au.